was the Jay Gunn and this is the K-Cut, a movie podcast for movie lovers. I am Andreas. I am a writer and the creator of Films Fatale. I love international and art house cinema, but I love a little bit of everything in between. Uh, who else is here with me? James here. I'm a content creator. I produce and release music under the alias Boutique Paul, one half of the Piranha Say podcast, and I sometimes contribute to Films Fatale. Sorry. I'm Rachel. I write for Films Fatale. It's kind of a thing around here. And I love lost film, classic cinema, and world movies. I also love to talk about movies with other people. So I've been thinking a bit about people we know of who aren't connected with film but seem to be major film buffs. Of course, we don't know these people. They're all famous and they have better things to do than talk to us. But um, I often wonder what it would be like to sit down and talk about our favorite movies and just nerd out. I excluded directors and other people involved in the film industry from this because that's kind of easy. But I'd love for us to discuss today the famous people we have heard of who are not directly connected to film but are um, are film buffs in some way. And in the second half, we are going to come up with a film to recommend to them. Amazing. Well, I really like this because, uh, in case you're going to tell cinephiles, like to spot each other in crowds and start just discussing movies and i feel like this is like that hypothetical question who would you love to sit down and talk talk film with and i feel like uh typically uh listeners at home when we do these episodes we kind of go in not knowing what the other person's going to say um we've uh told each other who we were going to who we were going to pick so we didn't you know tread on uh anybody's uh anybody's choices um I would love to talk with every single one of these people. Like, th- this would be an absolute treat. Okay, dinner party planned. All of us with our film buff people. <laughs> All we need is a lot of money and a lot of connections. Uh, but you never know. You never know. They might be listening. <laughs> Probably not. But you never know. So, I can't wait to get started. Who wants to present their first um, plus one if they get that Cineplex uh, 2 for deal? And who would they want to watch a film with? Me, 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 me. Okay, uh, why don't you go off with your very prestigious cinephile friend? Yes, so I'm going with the nature documentary narrator Barack Obama. He also was president for a little bit. <laughs> oh, I love that introduction. That's, uh, but have you seen those documentaries? It's awkward as hell because you're, he's talking about birds flying and stuff like that. And then he's like, and then the llamas start mating. And you're like, oh my God, Obama's explaining animal mating habits to me. I, I'm too young for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but like especially in like in his voice you just like imagine like right afterwards it's gonna be something like um hey those llamas over there i can't wait to help them uh benefit get a benefit on their taxes it's like <laughs> you just expect something to come after but anyway one thing i think we don't realize about uh president obama is that he is a major film buff and i'm not talking about he watches the latest releases and he's seen casablanca a couple of times i mean he really really digs deep into cinema if you read his books he has all kinds of references to films that uh he's seen and liked he appeared at the oscars and it was one of those montages they do which we're all bored by but um the question was what is the most important song in a film or what's the most famous film song or something like that and he said casablanca as time goes by so you know um he clearly loves the classics and yeah every year and i think he did this when he was president and he's for sure done it since he was president he releases a list of the films and tv shows that um he enjoyed most over the past year 
And honestly, like, that could be our list of number one films for the year. Like, he always picks the really, really top-notch ones from the Sundance and the film festival circuit, the Oscars, international scene. This is clearly somebody who keeps himself super well-informed about not just the most popular films in the moment, but the best ones. And, like, and TV shows as well. Like, he's seen Mrs. America. I only know one other person who's seen Mrs. America, and that's because I made him watch it with me. So, like, clearly this is a hobby that he really, really likes to seek out. So I think I'm the only person on this planet who wants to talk to Barack Obama, but not ask him a single question about his presidency or politics. But no, you can include both of us on that, I would say. He's also a fantastic audiophile, by the way. Like, his taste in music is also phenomenal. But uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about his taste in film. One thing that really stuck out to me, uh, because I feel like you've raised enough great points already, I know that he has brought up before how his mom's favorite film is Black Orpheus, the Pondor winner, and he himself had to disagree. And what I also love about him is not just what he likes, but look, I'm a big fan of Black Orpheus myself, but hearing him break down the film, this is clearly somebody who loves cinema because of the way he breaks it down, you know, sociologically, how it's made, you know, it's aesthetics, it's his creativity. Um, this is somebody who clearly knows the medium beyond it just being a, a source of entertainment. This is somebody who has studied film through and through. And I feel like maybe he could be a critic one day too. And you know, everybody's got a favorite movie and I think everybody's seen a few classics from time to time, but he really knows the canon. And considering how busy he has been for his entire adult life, I'm very, very impressed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, you know, none of us are discussing his politics on this pod. None of us are discussing that at all. But when it comes to specifically his taste in entertainment, you know, for the purpose of this pod, solely cinema, amongst other things, my God, I would love, like you, to talk to this guy for, like, hours. Hours about stuff. Even just minding the gap alone, which I remember when that was still, like, kind of slowly being talked about as a documentary, which is flat out one of the best documentaries of the last of the last decade. And here he is championing it, and that gave the film a lot of buzz, where it's like, what is this film? Why does Barack Obama love it? You know why? Because he knows, he knows his damn films. That's why. Also, he was caught playing with a lightsaber on the White House lawn, so, you know, he's, he's a nerd, too. So we like that, him. That's another question. What Star Wars film is his favorite? That I need to know. Is he a sequel, prequel, or original, like the OG trilogy sort of guy? No, but speaking of world leaders, I did see a clip from the 80s where Pierre Trudeau took his 11-year-old son, Justin, to go see Return of the Jedi, and Justin goes up to the camera and he does this, this is the best, this is the greatest movie ever, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, kind of thing. And later he had to tweet that he actually liked The Empire Strikes Back better. Well, I mean, that, that's only normal. That's an only normal response to prefer that film. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, world leaders in cinema are kind of fun to follow. Yeah. James, do you have any opinion? Uh, do you have any opinions on the, uh, the, the, former, um, the former president of the United States and his taste in film? No, I don't care any, about anything in regards to any past presidents. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering why you were quiet. Well, nonetheless, um, uh, who would you like to be a plus one to, or sorry, who would you like to have as a plus one when you go watch a film? So this one is actually really difficult. I actually didn't give my selection ahead of time, but I'm kind of an outlier. I mean, with the exception of you two and select others, I honestly really don't like conversing with other film fans. 
Oh. Even okay. though you've been podcasting with us about movies for like a year and a half now. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, I'm, I meant some more. So it's like, well, like I said, with the exception of you two, I think it's just like there's certain personalities that I come across that are deplorable in movie fans. And it's really hard to find one that I actually want to have a conversation with. Like this show works because of your two particular distinct interests. But I get a lot. If I come across film people, it's a lot of the film bros. And I think just people like that often kill it for me. But that's interesting because you flat out added me online. I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast. I feel like I feel like we have. You flat out added me online because you were like, hey, I really like your taste in film. So I just kind of assumed you did this a lot, to be honest. No, you okay. were an exception. Only, And it's only because you're a friend, with a, you're a friend of a friend. Right, that's true. It was specifically the article when you were talking about films that um, are like remakes or quasi-remakes of other films. Okay. And I saw that because I saw there was something very distinct. You were different than a lot of the film fans that I would come across. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm guessing for better or for worse, depending on who you ask. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's very rare. But yeah, I think it's just like there's just so many because it's like I don't want to have like superlative conversations. Like I don't care about anybody's top tens or their favorites because it's like, I don't know. There's just there's just certain personalities that rub me the wrong way. But like I said, it's like I don't go out of my way to find it. And when it comes to like celebrities, I'm just so disconnected from what they do aside from what they're known for. Like, I don't really know anything about Obama and his cinephilia, if I'm being honest. Like I, I'm. I learned a lot from that conversation you two had. He, he knows a, a thing or two. Yeah. Let me tell you, he like knows. If he a was thing on this podcast, he'd be almost as interesting as us. <laughs> almost. Uh, no, like he loved worst person in the world. I'm pretty sure. Um, Parasite. Uh, right. No, th- that is a very specific choice. Like that's a really good pick. <laughs> And to no. put it on his list that he's sending out to the American people, you know he must have really liked it. Yeah, and he also does not care one iota. Uh, uh, before we move on from Obama, there's like one last thing I forgot about him. Uh, his, his rip on Matt Damon when Matt Damon was talking politics and like he didn't care for Obama's performance, uh, Obama famously said. Uh, speaking of performances, I just watched the, the Adjustment Bureau. So if it was any other president, I'd be like, whatever, water off a duck's back. You know, like, uh, you, I don't really... I don't really rate how you feel about entertainment, but like when it comes to Obama, it's like, damn, <laughs> like, you know, you kind of have to take it seriously because the guy knows a thing or two about film. Like if he said, I, I did not know something about film, I'd cry. Like I'd feel really bad. Cause it's like, what? <laughs> Nonetheless, with all of that in mind, did you finally settle on someone? Uh, well, yeah. So I, I picked this person for a particular reason because this person's got kind of famous specifically for being a film fan. Okay. Uh, and uh, his name is uh, Julian Green, and he's better known on TikTok as Straw Hat Goofy. Okay. And he is the quintessential movie guy on TikTok or TikTok. So much he has three million followers, and it's gotten to the point where he's become so notable that he's actually been going to a number of premieres. Like, he's gone to the Spider-Man premiere, the Doctor Strange one. He just went to the Obi-Wan one. He got invited to the Oscars on behalf of TikTok. Um, And yeah, I think it's just, it's really interesting in this era of TikTok where I see a lot of creators who talk about film on there. And it's really interesting to see the kind of ecosystem that forms because TikTok is essentially almost kind of superseded every other form of media with the way that that app works because I mean, it kind of takes the, the better elements of Facebook, Twitter, 
YouTube and Instagram all rolled into one. And just the way the app works is so interesting. And the way he got started was like most of the TikTokers, he actually, you know, just hopped on during the pandemic and he just post quick clips of just talking about movies he liked. And then, you know, eventually he'd get some views and then eventually he started getting thousands of views, then 10,000s of views. And then just it's escalated to the point where it's like he's become like the movie guy. And it's just it's simple. It's just him in front of his phone just talking movies. And I just find that so fascinating that we're at a point where we can all share. It's like, it's like, you know, like us doing this podcast or like, you know, doing the website. It's like, there wasn't that it wasn't as accessible to be as expressive on things. We just like before the internet was a thing. I mean, before that you kind of had to be like a published author or somebody famous doing a TV interview, but now everybody can literally do whatever they want. Like any, anybody can start a podcast. Anybody can hop on TikTok. Anybody can start a YouTube channel. And I just think it's just important to discuss these kinds of people because it's like, that's where it's like, you can be famous for being a movie fan. Being famous for being a fan is just fascinating to me. So it's like, you know, I, I was actually going through his, um, you know, and he's actually, um, cause he kind of, he'll watch anything. So you just get all this stuff. Like one day it's, he's, you know, he's talking about latest news about Marvel, but then actually more recently, I actually saw him do a video about the graduate. Hmm. So that's kind of what made me think of him. Cause I remember seeing that video and I got that recommendation for the smorgasbord. So yeah, I, I just think it's just fascinating where it's, you know, and he's just a regular guy who like works in marketing, but thanks to a social media app, he's, you know, going to premieres and meeting famous people. He said he, he, he got to talk with Sam Raimi at the, premiere for Doctor Strange like have an actual conversation with him so what you're saying is uh, all three of us should be doing this on TikTok um <laughs> if we were doing this on TikTok like Andres if you had done what you're doing on the website on TikTok you'd be surprised on the reception it would get hey you never know might give it a shot TikTok is it's such a it's such an interesting platform but yeah no I think it's just I think it's because he's, yeah, I think it's just how passionate he is for no other reason than him loving movies, you know, cause that's what it's about. I mean, it's like, you know, he isn't, he isn't very adversarial about it. Like I've seen other people do. Cause like the comment section on some of these creators gets pretty wild. Like, and, and it kind of shows the kind of people that I don't really like to associate that like film, but it, it's kind of interesting because it's like, I follow several other people and it's just really unique to see everybody's takes. Cause it's like, you know, it, you'll get a video of everybody's like top 10 or they'll have like, you know, they'll, they'll have a, uh, they'll kind of have a, like this list challenge thing. Like, Oh, name your favorite movie from this name, a movie that you didn't like, but grew to like. And it's just like, you get so much information at once and in cl- quick clips. It's just, it's almost nauseating. That's cool. I mean, it's not like us. It's like, we discuss a few films, but in a, in a rapid fire style video, you could get like, Hey, here's 15 films I like for these specific reasons. And it's like, Whoa. But yeah, no, I think he's just, also, he just seems like a cool guy to talk to. Like that's a guy I'd go see a movie with. Honestly, I've been thinking about reaching out to him for an interview. Give it a shot. Why not? (laughs) Nothing to lose. Yeah. I mean, uh, clearly if he loves talking about film, I mean, yeah, it's worth a shot. Why not? He'd be easier to get than Obama. I was literally just thinking that. <laughs> or, oh, yeah. Or, or if not him, my pick. <laughs> Somehow right. my pick might even be harder than Obama, but you never know. <laughs> because he doesn't exist unless he wants to. My guy? Yes. That is very true. Um, any, anything left to say about, uh, about your pick, or shall we move on? Uh, no. I, I just like, I really wanted to pick it because I think it's like the chance to pick a nor- somewhat normal person. 
Yeah. I think kind of like, I, I think it's a nice balance because it's like, I mean, Obama's just like, he's, he was a president. So it's like, he's in like this stratosphere. Your pick is kind of like, you know, a mainstay in the music world. Treated like a god at times. by, by Yeah. And I, I just thought yeah. it'd be nice to get somebody that's kind of normal because it's like, he was just a normal guy and it's like, he's like someone like us. So he's someone that's relatable. Yeah, that's that's very fair. That's fair. I think it balances things out a lot, actually. Um, okay, so uh, without further ado, mine. Um, who who could be harder to reach than Obama? Well, uh, uh, Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean would probably be harder to reach than Obama. So I'm a very big fan of Frank Ocean. Um, if you know me even remotely, you would know this. Uh, Channel Orange is one of my favorite albums. Blonde, I rate even higher. I think it's one of the greatest albums I've ever heard. Um, oftentimes, my Spotify, and I listen to everything. I listen to um, really crazy metal music. So, for those who are interested, death metal, black metal specifically, um, especially black metal, really good stuff. Um, love hip hop, classic, modern, occasional trap, um, pop, everything. But, like, Somehow, Blonde ends up being one of the most often rotated things on my Spotify playlist. I don't know how that happens. It's kind of just a go-to. So, obviously, by listening to his music, checking out his music videos, you could tell he was a bit of a cinephile already. But back upon the release of, of Blonde, which was originally supposed to be titled Boys Don't Cry, he actually released a magazine called Boys Don't Cry. And he gets really personal in this magazine. You know, it was released in tandem with Blind, another album he had called Endless, I believe. Um, and he released in this magazine his top 100 favorite films of all time. And let me tell you, I was doing my master's degree when I read this, and I was like, oh my god, not only do I love this guy's music, but I would love to watch films with this guy. So to give you some context, this guy... Frank Ocean loves everything from Citizen Kane and Doctor Strangelove to multiple Wong Kar Wai films, multiple Tarkovsky films, like The Sacrifice and Solaris, not even like the obvious ones. Um, Fitzcarraldo out of the Werner Herzog choices. Uh, he also picks Aguirre, The Wrath of God. Um, he's got so many good choices, both Scarfaces, so Howard Hawks and De Palma, which are quite staggeringly different films. Um, L.A. Confidential, which is one of the best written films I've ever seen, but he also has some Buñuel on here as well, including the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie, and you can't just I can't imagine a lot of ma like mainstream musicians being like, oh yeah, I love the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie, <laughs> like that's not a go-to pick, he's got some Kurosawa on here, lots of David Lynch, which is pretty typical for somebody like Frank Ocean, if you listen to his music lots of Kubrick this guy's a G. Like, this guy listens to him, or this guy watches so much amazing stuff. Yeah, he's definitely interesting. You know, I think it, it's surprising. It's not surprising, though, because there's actually a lot of musicians who are like that. When you kind of dig deeper, like, I remember reading something where Halsey likes Harmony Corinne. Oh, wow. Okay, that, see, that, that actually kind of checks out. Really? I feel like that wouldn't check out at all. Like, that actually surprises me. Well, now I can see it. I mean, I got, I kind of got it because like she herself is like does kind of lean toward the avant-garde at times. But yeah, Frank Ocean, I think I'm not surprised this because of just his elusiveness of the public eye. You can tell in just the way he approaches his art. You can tell just not even like movies. He's probably into a lot of really interesting stuff in general. Like I'd be interested to see what his book list is like. Yeah, like 
his his favorite films. Which uh, one last note about about this list? Um, uh, you know, he also brought up uh, ATL, which is kind of the outlier film. But he actually that's like the one film that ha that had like a note beside it where he says it's not actually the best movie. LOL. But okay, basically, I, I'm guessing that's his way of saying he's nostalgic for this film. He grew up with it. He'll always it'll always have a place in his heart. But in the meantime, here's the Bicycle Thief and Apocalypse Now. Like, wasn't uh, Carnival Souls on there also? Because I think you had mentioned that when you assigned it to us. Uh, that I'm not seeing on here. Oh, I thought, I thought it was. Uh, David Lynch is like obsessed with Car Carnival Souls. It might have been that. I think he is anyway. Also, it should be noted that Frank Ocean barely made this list because he recently made the news for something film-related that would have disqualified him. Oh... Yeah, that's actually true. So, the most fitting distributor, A24, and has announced, uh, or there's an announcement that he's going to be directing his feature debut for them. Yeah, and this was in between us planning the episode and us recording. Like, literally, like, two days ago, and I was like, ah, like, you know, we, we chose this, like, weeks ago, so... Um, it just kind of narrowed in there. Plus, you never know. Things fall through all the time, so he hasn't made it yet. But for now, he still qualifies. <laughs> that I would love to see. I would love to see what his film would look like. Would he go... He goes the extra mile with his music anyway. Like, if you listen to something like Blind, what mainstream artist outside of, like, a Kanye, for instance, is touching stuff like this? Like, Blind is so surreal, disjointed in a good way. Um partially avant-garde at times a song i like to reference just just the kind of the, the esoteric nature of his music monks from channel orange oh yeah it's such a bizarre song when you get towards the second half because it starts off with this it's a song that starts off with this like girl who's just like living her best life you know kind of like you know you know going with the flow doing what she wants having a good time and then it evolves into like some story about like a princess who escapes her family with her lover and is being hunted down and then you know seeks the guidance of a like a white tiger and it's just so bizarre so it's like him making a movie i'm surprised it hasn't happened earlier because it's like you know it's going to be something interesting and the fact that a24 picked him up is like perfect match just because they're 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 making avant-garde mainstream again in a big way Oh, yeah. And one final note about him. Um, I don't care for the film. Rachel and I have discussed this a lot, even though I'm an Audrey Hepburn fan. But I adore the song Moon River. I think it's one of the best originals for a film ever. And his cover of Moon River is just, just exquisite. So, yeah, I feel like that's the perfect way to wrap up uh, Frank Ocean, one of the biggest cinephiles. Uh, in case they're listening, why don't we recommend some stuff to them, folks? What do you say? Sure. So, for Barack Obama... I was thinking about it, and he probably knows all the classics. He probably knows all the big international movies. Um, he, um, I wanted to avoid anything political, because he's probably had too much of that in his life. And I wanted to avoid the two movies made about him, because watching someone play you on screen must be really, really weird. So I thought about it, and Canadian film is kind of slept on, wouldn't you agree? Like, it doesn't really get a ton of traction, which is tragic, because it's awesome. And I think the movie, he's probably seen My Winnipeg, he's probably seen Atanajwat and all the big Quebec movies as well. So I was thinking it over, and I thought it might be fun to give him a nice pleasant evening with the Canadian classic 
Bond cop, bad cop. It would also help him understand uh, the neighbor to the north, and considering his connections, it would probably improve diplomatic relations. So I'm basically causing world peace by showing him Bond cop, bad cop. That's interesting. Yeah, so the premise of this film is that um, a murder occurs on the Ontario-Quebec border. And there are massive differences between English Canada and Quebec, French Canada. And so these two cops from either side have to work together and they're polar opposites and there's all these in-jokes. And the movie is truly a bilingual film. It's French and English throughout and and there's so many inside jokes and um, you would have to really have a great understanding of Canada to get it all. Um, And the, the Quebec swearing alone is wonderful. So I think it'd be a very nice sort of new adventure for him. That's an interesting pick because... Yeah, Obama's one of those people where it's like his taste is kind of everywhere and anywhere. Like so, you, dude. what's that? He's like you, dude. <laughs> well, whoops! And I know how hard it is to find films for me. Um, yeah, so it's like, what do you recommend to somebody like Obama? Why not go with something that is really out there? I think that's that's quite a wise choice, actually. Yeah, and every person I've shown it to in any country has adored that movie. Yeah, and you brought it up before. Canadian cinema is a little bit of a tricky subject. I feel like it gets a, like a really bad rap, but at the same time, it is some of the weirdest crap you may ever see. Um, but this this is kind of one where it's like in people's comfort zones, I would say. Now watch Obama tweet at us next week. Actually, I've seen Bug Cop, Bad Cop, but thank you. Well then, okay, okay, Barack Obama, why don't you, why don't you go to Dead Ringers instead and let us know how that is? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Um, what about you, James? What are you going to recommend for your new cinematic buddy? Ah, yes. So, I thought about it, and I'd probably assign him the Doom Generation by Greg Araki. Because if you're a cinephile and you want me to recommend you something, I'm giving you an Iraqi film. Like, I, I have to give you that challenge. Like, it's, I, I feel like I'm obligated to. As we've learned on the yes. cinematic smorgasbord, as First we've learned, time. we've had three, I think. <laughs> we'll eventually get through his whole filmography with the smorgasbord. Don't worry. <laughs> well, any particular reason why you went with that film of Iraqis? <clears throat> yes, because it's a bit out there. Like, it's, it's probably one of his most challenging films. I'm not saying a lot. So I, I, I'd want to see what he thinks about it because he, he's a guy who'll watch anything. So it's like, I mean, I mean, whether or not he likes it, it's like it, you know, it really doesn't matter because like he loves film, so it's like he'll watch anything once. Like us, like us. Yeah. Precisely. Cool. Well, um, on my end, I noticed that Frank Ocean, his music is pretty surreal sounding. A lot of his film taste is surrounding stuff that's quite surreal. Um, I wouldn't really call this a surreal film necessarily, but it has surreal elements. And I, I don't think this is on his list. I tried checking for it. I don't think he's ever talked about it. Um, yeah, it's not on here. So I'm going to go with one of the greatest Japanese films ever made by Hiroshi Teshikahara, uh, Woman in the Dunes, which I think is just a masterpiece of Japanese new wave cinema. And there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. So what you have here is uh, a teacher who is out collecting beetles uh, who kind of gets stuck in a little civilization that lives deep, deep in like a sandy terrain. And 
he basically can't find a way to get out, but at the same time, it's a very metaphorical journey because it's as if he's basically assimilating into this village and uh, is becoming one of its inhabitants, uh, despite the fact that he does want to get out. So it's such an allegorical film. Um, it's shot tremendously. I can't remember who said it. It might have been Ebert. Uh, somebody said that it is Ebert. Um, he basically compared it to Lawrence of Arabia and said this actually shoots sand better than any film ever, including Lawrence of Arabia, which is saying a lot. The photography in this film is out of this world. Um, I feel like it's something that Frank Ocean would absolutely get a kick out of. Sounds good. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, we're going to recommend some stuff to you listeners at home and go over some important details before we do that. So, Rachel... Uh, riddle off some additional films for our listeners at home to check out and point Obama Frank Ocean and uh, what's his name again James? Oh Julian Green uh, point Julian Green, Barack Obama and Frank Ocean in our direction via our socials. Yes so we are on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram under the K-Cut and for Smorgasbord we are doing following the Christopher Nolan movie Tokyo Story, The Shootist, and Atlantic Rhapsody as our collective. Alrighty, so I'm going to go first. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm not going to say all about my mother, uh, but it's it's on my mind because of the whole feud between Pedro Moldefar and Viggo Mortensen. But instead, I'm going to recommend his uh, 80s masterpiece, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, which I feel like is one of the best dramedies of all time. I feel like it is hysterically funny, um, quite profound at the same time, absolutely astounding visually. Uh, Pedro Motivar and Colors, you know, kind of go well together. Um, fantastic performances. A very young Antonio Banderas is in this as well. Just a, just a fantastic 80s film. It's one of the best of the era. I'm going to go with that. That's cool. I'm going to go with The Florida Project, which is a really, really difficult movie to watch, but I think it's a really necessary movie that gives an important perspective. And it um, has an excellent performance by Willem Dafoe, as well as the younger cast, who are mostly non-actors. If I'm not mistaken, didn't Obama like that film as well? Probably. I'm surprised. <laughs> taste. He's got taste. I'm pretty sure he did shout it out. He's got taste. James, what about you? <laughs> So I'm going to pick the film. It's called Memory Lane, and it is a super low-budget film that was made for $300. And all I'm going to say about it, it is, it's like a cross between Flatliners, Memento, and Primer. What? <laughs> okay. Uh, never heard of that one, but that sounds very interesting. So uh, thank you to all of our listeners, and uh, we hope to have one of these exciting cinephilic guests on our pod at some point. You never know. Um, that was the K-Cut, and uh, we're not going into the L-Cut. <laughs>